The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the nail marks and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and bring your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So this is my third mass today. And, and I'm ha- you know, I could have said no to any one of them, but this is such an important day to me. And if I can just quote from my mom, who texted me uh, a little bit today, regarding the message of divine mercy, she put in all caps, the world needs this now. I could just sit down right now, I suppose, right? (laughs) And I hate to repeat myself as I preach, so I'm going to definitely take from some things. But I know this is, in general, a more mature crowd that you chose to come to this Divine Mercy Mass at this time, right before the hour of Divine Mercy. That's why it was scheduled at 2, so we'll end at 3. And we can, for those of you who... So wish we can stay and pray the chaplet together after Mass, right during the, right at the, the top of the hour of Divine Mercy. But one thing I didn't really talk about today was the closed door. And I think it's a metaphor for our hearts. St. John is, is very deep. I mean, there's a lot of simple things on the surface that you can appreciate, but I think we're being invited here this afternoon to just go a little bit deeper and to see that that locked door of the upper room in some ways represents our hearts. 
Because we all have these different parts of our hearts that we tend to lock up and and put away. But today's message and today's uh, feast celebration of Jesus' divine mercy, I'm just signaling here to the, the image itself, really do encourage us to trust in Jesus. In fact, that's the signature of the image. Jesus gave those very specific instructions to St. Faustina to have that signature included at the bottom of the image. Jesus, I trust in you. And it's through that trust that these doors are unlocked. Now, we may not want to unlock the doors, but the point is that in order to experience this new life of the resurrection, we have to open the doors to Christ. I think it was the first thing that John Paul II said when he was elected Pope. He gets up there on the balcony back in 1978 and said, open wide the doors to Christ. And so to do that, we need to trust that God is going to be merciful to us when we open those doors. Because the things that we tend to put away, we're not very proud of. Amen? (laughs) But he's assuring us that we do not have to be afraid. That he does not hold those things against us. But he knows better than we do how they tend to weigh us down. And they prevent us from living this resurrected life that he won for us through his resurrection. Today's the last day of the octave of Easter. So the whole church was celebrating Easter with special uh, pomp and circumstance, you might say, with, with special devotion. The resurrection all week. And, and, and then it goes on, really, for the rest of the Easter season until, until Pentecost, really. So the Lord is, is trying to help us receive this new life of grace and this new power that flows from his resurrection. And it's so fitting that we celebrate Divine Mercy Sunday today as a way of reminding us that there's nothing that God can't or won't forgive. And that he actually wants us to have the confidence to approach him, to be forgiven, and not just forgiven, but to receive new life, divine life. And that's what those rays coming out of his heart represent. Not only does he wash us clean, Not only does he forgive our sins through baptism, through his blood that was shed, but then those rays also represent baptism and and Holy Eucharist, the means by which we grow in friendship with God. That, That nourishes our life of grace. It nourishes our relationship with God. It's how we keep growing. And so he doesn't want there to be any part of us that is untouched or unredeemed, if that's even a word, by his grace and mercy. I've got a quote here from St. Faustina's diary that I, I wanted to read. Tell the whole world about my inconceivable mercy. On the feast day of mercy, the very depths of my tender mercy are open. 
I pour out a whole ocean of graces upon those souls who approach the fount of mercy. The soul that will go to confession and receive Holy Communion shall obtain complete forgiveness of sins and punishment. That's just a divine incentive, in case you didn't catch that. Let no soul fear to draw near to me. We could wrap that if we wanted to. Even though its sins be a scarlet, my mercy is so great that no mind, be it of man or angel, will be able to fathom it throughout all eternity. Everything that exists has come forth from the very depths of my most tender mercy. The feast of mercy emerged from my very depths of tenderness. It is my desire that it be solemnly celebrated on the first Sunday after Easter. Mankind will not have peace until it turns to the fount of my mercy. That was number 699 from Faustina's diary. So Jesus is reminding us that we all exist, that the world exists because of his mercy. He didn't have to create us. That's his point. He didn't have to create us. He didn't have to redeem us. He didn't have to glorify us. But he wanted to. He chose to. He chose to, and and it cost him a lot. It it cost him a lot. He paid a great price for us. But he doesn't regret that at all. He doesn't regret that at all. Nevertheless, he does want us to correspond with this grace of his, with his friendship, with his invitation. He wants us to accept his invitation, and respond in faith. And that's important. It comes out a lot today in the readings, the importance of faith and making acts of faith. Let me just highlight this one here in the second reading. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in his great mercy gave us a new birth to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who, by the power of God, are safeguarded through faith to a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the final time. So it's, it's kept there for us. It's safeguarded there for us. And God has already delivered on it. And our response to all of that is faith. You've heard me say that a lot lately. Our proper response to all of this good revelation is faith. And we have to make an act of faith. Otherwise, we don't grow in it. My second mass today was with first communicants and their families and and the rest of the parish community at St. Perpetua. But I reminded the kids and everybody there, we have to make acts of faith in the real presence. We have to make acts of faith in his mercy. Otherwise, our faith won't grow. So another thing that's been on my mind recently that's related to divine mercy in a roundabout way is Michael Jordan. And one of his old commercials 
where he rattles off all of his failures. He mentions how many thousands of shots he missed and especially how many game-winning shots he was entrusted with taking and missed. And then at the end he says, I have failed over and over again. And that's why I'm so great. Now, it's not the fact that he failed that makes him so great, per se. But what does make him great, what made him so great, was that he refused to let all of those failures define him. It's a great lesson. Because the enemy, the devil, wants to define you by your failures. And sometimes even the world. Maybe even your friends and family may wag their finger in your face and say, shame on you. But Jesus never, ever did that. Not once did he wag his finger in somebody's face and say, shame on you. So Jesus never defines us by our failures, by our sins. Of course, he knows our sins, but he calls us to life. He calls us to so much more, to an abundant life in him. And again, that takes faith to respond to that invitation, to believe that we can be forgiven, and to believe that we have an identity in Christ that doesn't depend on what we do. It doesn't depend on our performance. And that's sometimes hard for us to wrap our minds around and and to accept. It's sometimes hard to receive that love because it's so amazing. As we say in that closing prayer in the Divine Mercy Chaplet, it's unfathomable. Try to repeat that five times real fast. His mercy is unfathomable. And so it's hard to fathom. It's hard to accept sometimes that God could love us that much. That we literally belong to him. That's really what our God is saying to us each and every time we come here to receive him in the Eucharist. You belong to me. I claimed you for myself. We belong to each other. We belong to each other now. We all belong to God and we all belong to each other in Christ, in Christ Jesus. So what he wants us to know is that we're standing on holy ground, not just when we're here in church, but when we stand face to face with each other. We're standing on holy ground. And and that locked door, those locked doors, he wants to unlock. (laughs) And he wants to come in. And he wants to reveal his love to us in new ways today and each and every day. And he wants us to be able to come into communion with each other. And in doing so, we build the church. We make his kingdom present just like that first reading described so beautifully from the Acts of the Apostles. That's how we make his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So let's pray that we can all receive that love today in a new way.
Let's pray that we can appreciate the holy ground that we stand on when we stand in his presence and we stand face to face with one another. Amen.